coming up. Any criminal investigation that doesn't start with the last person that was with her when she was alive is no investigation at all. So we'll be watching this closely, but we're not confident, but we are hopeful. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. And I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. It's been 20 years since seven-year-old Danielle Van Damme was abducted from her home in San Diego and murdered. It's a case that continues to impact people to this day. This struck a nerve with anybody who had a child. If you were in San Diego when Danielle Van Damme was taken from her home, you remember this story. It's something you'll never forget. Two police detectives in Bridgeport, Connecticut have been put on leave for their handling of two separate death investigations in December. It is an unaccepted failure if policies were not followed. To the families, friends, and all who care about human decency, that that should be shown in these situations, in this case by members of the police department. I'm very sorry. Two women were found dead in Bridgeport, Connecticut on December 12th. Now, almost two months later, the detectives assigned to those cases have been put on leave and are under investigation. Will, you actually covered one of these cases just last week here on The Daily Crime, so let's start there. What happened in that case? That's right, Reed. We talked to Gabby Molina at Fox 61 in Connecticut, and she told us how Lauren Smith Fields had been found back in December on December 12th, found dead in her apartment, according to police. She had spent the night with a man she met on Bumble, and that man called 911 that night, and he wasn't considered a person of interest or a suspect. Lauren Smithfield's family claims evidence was actually not gathered from the scene and that they weren't even notified of her death. They actually say they found out from her landlord when they couldn't get in touch with her. They went to the apartment, couldn't find her, and discovered that she had had died days earlier. They have described the Bridgeport Police Department as insensitive and dismissive along the way throughout this process. The medical examiner in January determined the cause of death to be a lethal mix of drugs and alcohol and in fact concluded that the death was accidental. However, her family claims she didn't use drugs, she was a healthy 23-year-old, and they've hired an attorney, Darnell Crossland. This young lady, 23 years old, no history of using drugs. Her body is found to have a total um, just smorgasbord of different drugs, including fentanyl. Um, That has taken us all by surprise because the question is, now that we know what was in her, the question is how it got in her. Crossland says the family found several items inside her apartment that they brought to the police's attention, including a pill that can be used as a sedative and a sheet stained with blood. So the family has been very vocal. And finally, at the end of January, the police department said they were opening an investigation into her death. And there's a second death investigation going on here involving a different woman. Tell us about that case. The other case is the death of 53-year-old Brenda Rawls, just like Lauren Smith-Fields, a black woman, actually from the same neighborhood as Lauren Smith-Fields. And she died under similar circumstances, according to Fox 61. There were no signs of trauma or foul play, according to police. The cause of death has not yet been released. And again, in this case, the family did not learn about her death from police. And in fact, they found out days later. So there are some real similarities in these two cases, not just the date on which they were found dead. The families of both of these women have been vocal, saying they're they're upset they weren't notified and saying that they don't think that these cases have been investigated thoroughly. Now the detectives assigned to both of the cases have been put on leave. What can you tell us about that? Cases have been reassigned to other detectives in the police department and are currently active investigations. Their supervising officer, 
who oversaw the investigations, retired just last week. The attorney for the family of Lauren Smith-Fields had this reaction to the news. I would say that any sunshine is welcomed at this point because we've been in the dark since she died on December 12th. So we'll take it, but we're not confident at all that, that this is going to be handled properly. Earlier this week, San Diegans marked 20 years since seven-year-old Danielle Van Dam was abducted from her home. Reed, take us through what happened back in February of 2002. Yeah, well, this is one of those crimes that, you know, you don't want to believe something like this can actually happen. A child being taken from their home in the middle of the night. It was on the evening of February 1st, 2002. Seven-year-old Danielle Van Dam went to bed in her room. And the next morning when her parents got up, she was gone. And that quickly set off this massive search effort to find her. The Associated Press said at the time there were hundreds of volunteers combing an area that stretched from Mexico to the desert east of San Diego. They also reported that search efforts were coordinated in part online. There was a website set up to help coordinate the search. One sad detail that I learned from the text of a bill that was later introduced in the California legislature to put up a memorial is that Danielle went missing about a week before her family was planning to take a trip to Italy. And the photo that they used in the missing persons posters was the passport photo that they had had taken the day before she went missing for that trip to Italy. And so hundreds, I've actually seen even reports of thousands of volunteers were out searching for her, uh, but weeks went by without any sign of Danielle. And just under a month after she went missing, volunteers reportedly had a hunch to research a, a kind of a remote area that they'd already actually searched prior. And then when they went out there this time, they found Danielle's body about 25 feet off of a roadway under some oak trees. And an autopsy was able to confirm her identity, but enough time had passed that they weren't able to determine a definite cause of death or perform sexual assault testing. Although court documents say the coroner couldn't rule out suffocation. And it's it's just you know horrific. And it's a case that folks who were in San Diego at the time never have forgotten about. David Gottfriedson, an investigative producer at CBS 8, our partner station in San Diego, has been looking back at the case around this 20th anniversary. Former District Attorney Paul Finkst remembers the day the seven-year-old girl's body was discovered off Tahisa Road. I've never in my career seen a case where someone has actually gone into a home, taken a child out of bed, and taken that child back to his home sexually abused and taken the child away, killed the child and dumped the body. Reed, aside from the search efforts, what did this investigation look like? How did investigators go about trying to find Danielle Van Dam's killer? By the time Danielle's body was discovered, one of her neighbors, a man named David Westerfield, had already been arraigned in court on kidnapping and murder charges just, just the day before the body was found. Investigators had been looking at him while the search was ongoing and they actually searched his home, which led to that arrest. And by coincidence, CBS 8 reporter Steve Price interviewed David Westerfield before his arrest. He was just out, you know, doing interviews with neighbors. I believe it was after the search of Westerfield's home. And, and here's a clip from that interview. I was gone all weekend, so, and I offered to let him look through everything to check it. Steve Price says that at the time he had no idea he was interviewing someone who was about to be arrested and charged with murder. And the timing of the discovery of Danielle's body right after the arrest, it turns out, was, was really key. Former San Diego County District Attorney Paul Finkst told CBS 8's David Gottfriedson he was actually about to offer Westerfield a plea deal when he got the news about that discovery. It was minutes between the time 
that I was about to make a deal with the defendant through his lawyer for the return of her body and my being notified that a body had been discovered. So with that plea deal off the table, it sounds like the discovery of the body then paved the way for a trial. That's right. And by this point, the case was everywhere. Everyone wanted to know what was going on. The media was kind of putting it under a microscope. And that same former DA, Paul Finks, compared the media coverage to a fire that was being fueled by all of these different developments. The media's appetite for information in this case was insatiable. I would just assume the media go away as a trial attorney. The trial was covered day by day on television and on radio. And um, we smoked um, marijuana. The parents of Danielle Van Dam were put under a microscope with the intensity turned up very high. She was laying on the bed on top of the covers and Damon was under the covers. And then the media found out that there was some sexual activity outside the marriage by consent and sort of an open marriage type of thing. And that uh, put gasoline on the media fire. The trial itself then focused on forensic evidence, which included blood that was found on one of David Westerfield's jackets and inside his motorhome, as well as hairs, fingerprints and fibers that were found on Danielle's body. And in the end, it proved to be enough to convince the jury to convict. When the guilty verdict was read, cheers on the steps of the downtown courthouse. There was an enormous expression of relief and celebration that justice had been done. Clearly a case and a trial that impacted just so many people in the area. Yeah, and following the trial, people who had been following the case and wanting to see some form of justice for this horrible crime in their community they built a wooden stairway at the location where Danielle's body was found so that people could leave different mementos, photos, teddy bears, flowers, things like that to, to honor her. And, and actually to this day, there's now a lasting memorial. I mentioned earlier there was a bill introduced in the legislature to put up a memorial back in 2003. And that was actually uh, to dedicate an overpass near where her body was found and still 20 years later, it's it's the Danielle Van Dam Memorial Overpass. Reed, what ended up happening with Westerfield's sentencing and where is he now? So on top of the, the two charges that I mentioned, kidnapping and murder, he was also found guilty of possession of child pornography. And in 2003, he was then sentenced to death. There was an automatic appeal of that sentence in 2019. And at that point, the California Supreme Court denied the appeal, which upheld the sentence. However, the death penalty is currently suspended in California, so... You know, with that, it doesn't look like he's going to be put to death anytime soon. And at age 69, it looks like he'll die of natural causes in prison. All right, Reed, thanks for bringing us this story this week. And thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We are here five days a week, Monday through Friday, every weekday. And if you haven't already, check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, new episodes every Monday. For The Daily Crime, along with Reed Redman, I'm Will Johnson. Will Johnson.